occasion, but Littleton is crack a lacking. I'm excited about this weekend. Are you excited? Um, I feel like I got a fresh word in my heart for uh, um, a large group of people this weekend. Um, I feel like the word that got placed on my heart for those of you that are here in this room watching at our campuses across Denver, overseas, and God behind bars, I want to speak to some people this weekend as it relates to our faith. Any of you ever felt like you just don't have enough faith? Just me, just me. You've ever felt that? I don't have enough faith for what God might be asking me to do. I can't quite maybe do some of the things that other people are qualified and called to do because I'm just not like them. Have you ever, have you ever felt like you've kind of taken maybe like a, like a miniature version of a calling? Like, like that person, Conrad Best, has great faith. Not me though, I just got small faith and I got some issues that I'm still working on. So maybe God will use me this much, but he uses other people this much. Anybody ever felt like you got maybe like a, a miniature size calling? I wanna speak to some of us this weekend that feel like maybe God might not have as much as the other person in store. Maybe you feel like your calling is, is maybe been diminished or maybe it's been made obsolete because of some decisions you've made. If you've ever screwed up, you ever made a bad decision? You kind of feel like, man, maybe maybe God's gonna punish me and maybe now I can't take part in the things that he has for me. I wanna speak to you this weekend because I believe that God wants to do more in your life than you could ever imagine. And for those of you that got crazy faith, anybody got crazy faith? Um, in this place, if you feel like you got crazy faith, I, I even want you to set your perspective a little bit further, dream a little bit bigger. God wants to do more in our life, in the life of our church, than you could ever imagine. Give somebody a high five and say, he's got more, he's got more, he's got more. God, in this place, I just pray for every single person. God, I pray that faith would arise, that people who have maybe felt dead and dormant within, God, that you'd speak to them again. We wanna be a church of crazy faith. And God, we know that faith comes by hearing the word about Christ. And so this weekend, as we look to your word, I pray that faith would arise. We pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus and everybody at Red Rocks Church said, Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. Hey, wherever we're watching from, can you give some crazy noise to all of our worship teams, our production teams, tech teams, video teams? Y'all are amazing. It's awesome. It's unreal. So blessed. Thanks for setting an atmosphere for us to have faith as we look to God's word. I want to I want to talk to us this weekend about callings. Lean to your neighbor and say, do you got a calling? Do you got a calling? Do you got a calling? What's he talking about? Calling. Calling is kind of one of those like Christian taglines um, that we throw around a lot, but I, I think we have a lot of misconceptions as it relates to callings. What, what I mean when I say calling this weekend is that, that prompting, that stirring deep within you to do something that you feel that you believe God might be leading you to do. 
Has anybody ever felt a calling? It might be a small calling to be generous towards somebody in need. Um, it might be a major calling in the sense that it changes the trajectory of your life by responding to this calling. It might change what you do for a living. We all feel these small callings, these large callings on a consistent basis, but I want to speak to us this weekend from the perspective of God's word on, on how we can maximize this short existence that we have in this life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste my life. I am going to die one day. That might be shocking to you. It is the absolute perfect statistic. You will die one day. Unless Christ comes back, you're going to die. Some of you are like, I don't really feel encouraged this weekend. <laughs> you're going to die. And my prayer is that as we look to God's word this weekend, it might just provoke a little bit of faith in your heart as it pertains to some of the things that God will want to do in and through this short existence called your life. So are you cool if we spend some time talking about you this weekend, talking about your faith, hopefully building your faith this weekend? Um, I think one of the misconceptions that people have about callings is sometimes we stand in maybe a, a vocation or a relationship and we feel like what God has for us in our future is greater than what is right now. And so we go, if I could just get to that job, the situation would change. If I, if I could just get from here over to there, the grass is greener over there. I feel called to be a pastor. I feel called to be in that job. I feel called to be a mother, a teacher. I feel called to be more generous. If I could just get away from here, it'd be so much better over here. You ever felt that? What most people don't understand is that oftentimes when God places a call in front of you, the pathway from moving to here to there is extremely difficult. Stepping into the call of God for your life will always require faith, which oftentimes means he's going to have you take a step from comfort into discomfort. He's going to have you step from being well supplied for to being generous and sometimes living on edge. He's going to have you, you move from clarity to obscurity. God, I, I know that you're saying yes, but for me to step out and say yes means I don't know what's going to happen now. You're leading me to start a business, but that means I got to quit my job. You're asking us to become parents, but we've never raised children before. Oftentimes when you take a step in the, in the direction of a calling or a destiny that God has for you, most of the time life feels a little bit worse. Have any of you ever responded to something that God's been leading you into and you go, what? This isn't what I thought it was going to be. This is more difficult. God, you said you wanted me to do this and now this is really hard. I can't do this. I'm not qualified enough. I don't have enough money, enough education, enough time, enough energy. And all the parents said, amen. Oftentimes what God will lead you into will feel like a place of deficit at first. But that's because 
God wants you to step out into a place that will require you to have faith in something greater than yourself. I can remember uh, a little over a year ago, God led my wife and I out to a church in Texas and we joined uh, the teaching team and I was gonna be preaching and, and helping lead this organization. And I can remember right after we got hired, my wife and I, um, the, the, the senior pastor and the, the elders took us out. It's kind of like a big deal. You know, you feel like you gotta impress them and babe, don't say anything stupid. And if I say something stupid, you know, you need to tell me, you need to warn me. We're being watched. Elders are watching us. And so we show up to the dinner, and it, it took literally like five minutes, and, and they're asking us questions about our lives. And I, I remember the first question that kind of just like opened up a snowball of these really difficult questions. And one guy says, so Ronnie, I was looking at your resume, and I noticed you don't have any theological education. And I was like, that is correct, sir. And then another guy says, well, you, I, I see also that you have three and a half years of, of college, but you, you didn't finish all four years. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that says you, you're, you're both actually really correct. And then, then they said, your, your last church, were you, were you on the leadership team there also? I'm sorry, no. I'm sorry, what? No, I wasn't on, I wasn't on the leadership, wasn't on the leadership team there. Is it hot in here? <laughs> and another guy leans over and he goes, did you, did you preach much at your other church? And I was like, four to six times. And he says, a year? <laughs> no, the whole time I was there. And I just remember feeling internally exactly what everybody else around that table was feeling. And it was that like, how on earth did this dude get this job? Why is he sitting at this table? But oftentimes responding to a call of God on your life, you will get placed into situations where you go, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I didn't do anything to get me into this room to get me into this role, to get me into this predicament. But what it will require you to do is sit in the tension of going, I know that I'm unqualified. I know that my rap sheet doesn't line up with this equivalent opportunity. But it makes you lean into something really amazing. Because a few weeks later, I preached for the first time in front of the largest crowd I'd ever preached in front of in my entire life. And I was feeling the same thing. Knees were knocking, palms were sweaty. It sounds like Eminem song. And I, and I walk out onto the stage just trembling and the lights come on. And I'm like, I don't do this very frequently. And now I got to lead tens of thousands of people into the mysteries of following an unknown, unseen, untouchable, un, like I can't, can't go relate to this guy face to face over coffee. And I got to tell people how to do Christian life. And I remember going, God, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why you've given me this opportunity. But I walked out onto the stage. I did the best I possibly could. And I can remember my first encounter with a lady with tears in her eyes. And she said, young man, I can tell that you heard from God because that message changed my life. 
And I remember acting like it wasn't that big of a deal. And I remember walking away just going like, oh my word. God, I realized that I did my best to just put some simple words on a page. But you took my words and you changed somebody's life. You can applaud for that. That's a God thing. Stepping into the things that God has for your life, friends, will leave you in this vulnerable position where you go, God, if you don't show up, I'm going to look like a fool. Or in my case, I'm going to be fired. I want to talk to us this weekend about what it looks like to live in this tension. I want to read for you a verse that I think is amazing, but I think it's, it's not necessarily understood in its context. And for people that live lives of faith, this is going to be a verse that you're going to want to hold on to. Philippians 4.13 says this. You're all going to know this. It says, I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. Most of us use this like spiritual pre-workout, right? Like before we go out into the world, before we go out into life, we give ourselves a little bit of Philippians. And I can do all things. Got some swagger. Through Christ who strengthens me. That's right. He can strengthen me. And I think what we get is a false hope that God is going to strengthen me to do anything that I want to do. But the main premise of this verse is not that he's going to strengthen you to do anything you want to do. It means he's going to lead you into opportunities where faith makes you feel vulnerable. It makes your knees knock. It makes your palms sweaty. It makes you lose sleep. But you can walk into it knowing I said yes to God and he is going to strengthen me. This verse has a lot more to do about the one who strengthens than it does you and I. Lean to your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's not about you. And you can lean to your other neighbor and say, it's not about you either. <laughs> Having a life of faith has a lot more to do with the God that will strengthen you than it ever will do with what you bring to the table. I don't know about you, that's not bad news. For me, that's really, really good news. But what it teaches me is sometimes the anxiety that I feel when I'm going to bed and my heart's pounding and I can't shut my mind off, the anxiety that I'm feeling in that moment speaks more to what I believe about God than it does what I believe about the stress from my day. It tells me a lot more about my belief in God than my ability to achieve all the things that are in front of me. My stress and my worry and my doubts, for some of you, your shame and your guilt, it says a lot more about your lack of greatness for the God that you follow, and you're giving more emphasis to your sin, to your shame, to your lack, to your need, to your inadequacy. And my prayer this weekend, as we look to the scriptures, that God would become great and mighty and powerful, so much so that you feel yourself fading in to the background. It's not about you. It's about how great God is. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because I think it's something we need to think about. If nothing in your life ever feels challenged, you're probably not living a life of faith. 
If nothing in your life ever feels challenged, you probably aren't living a life of faith. Friends, can I tell you the challenges that you face are going to reveal a lot about what you believe about your God. If you have your Bible, open up to Exodus chapter 3. I want to give us just a little bit of context. We're going to look at the life of a man named Moses. Who's heard of Moses? Most of us have heard of Moses. He's, he's, he's the boy that was, was born into a really difficult time. The Pharaoh demanded that, that these young boys be slaughtered. And so out of fear, Moses' parents put him in a basket and shipped him down the river. They're going, I, I, he has better chances surviving being pushed down a river. We'll trust God with the outcome than he is if he just, we, we try to raise him. People are going to know. They're going to see. They're going to punish us. And they're going to kill our son. Let's put him in God's hands. So he's abandoned by his family. Probably growing up with all sorts of issues internally about abandonment, feeling worthless, wondering why on earth he couldn't have remained with his family. He, he, he's adopted. It's a really amazing story. If you don't know it, go ahead and read it in Exodus chapter 3. But, but he gets picked up by the house of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's house was an Egyptian house. Moses was born into a Hebrew family. And so now he's living in this confusing context where he's Hebrew by birth, but he's Egyptian by being raised. He's got this conflict in traditions. He's got a conflict on how they do life. They got conflict on what they believe about God. He's got, he's got conflict. He's confused internally. And the, the Bible says that he's He stutters a little bit, okay? He can't get words out the way that he wants to. My parents say, you don't speak good. He couldn't speak good. He's in this difficult situation where the odds are against him, not in his favor about what God could possibly do with his life. And then the Bible goes on to say that he also is very compulsive, Moses always took matters into his own hands. He had an anger problem. And around 40 years of age, Moses cold-blooded murders a man. And in fear for his life, the Bible says that he flees Egypt and he lives in the wilderness. He is a 40-year-old man running away from his issues like a child. This is going to be the man then in a few moments, we're going to see that God calls Moses into something greater than he could ever imagine. If your life feels dysfunctional, if you feel inadequate, just read the Bible. God uses broken people because it's all that he has. You can celebrate that because that's really good news. So the Bible says at 40 years of age, he gets out of Dodge and he's hiding from the Pharaoh. He's hiding from the Egyptians. And the Bible says that he lives in the wilderness for another 40 years. So if things weren't bad for him already, now he's 80. Now he's going, my, my, I mean, I've lived a lot of life. Is this all? Is this all that God has for me? If you're under 80, would you raise your hand in this place? And at all of our locations, watching online, you can be the weirdo in the coffee shop lifting up your hand. Most of us are under 
80, and this is where God gives Abraham, I'm sorry, Moses, Abraham, different story. God gives Moses a brand new assignment for some of you that feel like you've missed your prime. You've missed your stride. I just want to encourage you, if you still got breath in your lungs, if you woke up this morning, God still has a plan. God still has a call for your life. And I believe based on scripture, it's better than you could ever imagine. He's 80. He doesn't have the rap sheet of somebody that God's going to speak new vision into. He doesn't have the history where God goes, that's the dude I want to use. How many of you know God doesn't have a short list of people that he can use? He's God. He can create somebody. He can create somebody with a beautiful rap sheet, yet, yet look what God does in Exodus 3. He comes to Moses and he says, Moses, hey, buddy, I got an amazing plan for you. What I want you to do is I want you to go back to Egypt, the place you've been running from. I want you to confront Pharaoh and tell him it's time to let the millions of Israelites go. The millions of Israelites that are serving as your slaves and making your nation work, I want you to let them go. So look what the Bible says in Exodus 3 verse 11. Moses rightfully protested to God and he says, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? How many of you know we can read about Moses' life, but Moses is Moses. Nobody knows his dysfunction more than Moses. Nobody knows his dysfunctional thoughts more than Moses. Nobody's reminded of the fact that he's 80 more than Moses. Nobody knows that going back to Egypt could result in death because he's a murderer more than Moses. So when Moses says, God, who am I to go back? I go, he's right. But look at God's response in verse 12. He says, I will be with you. Now, place yourself in Moses' shoes for a second. He's 80 years old. He's watching sheep. He's out in the wilderness. A, a flame erupts from a bush and starts talking to him and tells him, go back to Egypt and confront the Pharaoh. Tell him to let millions of people go. Now, if that happens to me, I'm going, I must have drank some bad water or ate some bad berries or something because a fire's talking to me. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. This isn't making his life easier. Like God's not making his path clear. It's confusing and it's complex. And he's going, I don't know if this is really God. It's a, it's a flame coming out of a bush and it's not even burning and it's weird. And I'm a, just a guy with sheep poop in my toes. I'm a, I'm a shepherd. Why is this happening? Have you ever had a prompting from God and you're going, I don't really know if that really was God. I, I, think, I think that this is God prompting me to do this, but I don't really know. How do I know? What? Here he is hearing a command from a burning bush. 
He's 80, he's been running, he's been hiding. He knows all of his deepest, darkest sins. He's confronted with a problem. You have a job and a responsibility, but I'm not the guy. Friends, can I tell you that every single problem in your life, every single area of conflict, every single hardship, every single difficult situation you can use to your advantage because it's going to ask your soul a question. It's going to ask you, what do you believe about God? Here Moses is. He's going, I got a problem with what you're saying. I, I would love to say yes, but I can't. I got a problem here. And the problem was I look at my shortcomings and my failures, and they appear to me greater than the God that is supposedly talking to me right now. His problem asked his soul, what do you believe about God, Moses? I wonder what your situation right now is revealing to you about what you believe about God. Because some of your bank accounts are really low, but the Bible says that God is your provider. What does your problem tell you about what you really believe about God? Some of you, your marriage feels dead and dormant. You want your way of escape. You want to get out. But I, I wonder, what is your problem telling you about the belief in a God that can change what is dead and breathe new life into it? Some of you feel like you have just blown it and your sin is too great and you live under the weight of sin and shame. I wonder, what does your problem tell you about the God that you serve? Because he said that he will remember your sins no more for every person that calls upon the name of the Lord. So when we live under shame, our shame tells us the situation that you just walked through, the mistake that you just made. Are you kidding me? He can't handle it. No, come on. And so we live under shame, we live under anxiety, we live under worry and doubts and insecurity, all the while our problem is telling us you don't really know the God you have with you. So Moses goes, I, I, you got the wrong guy. Exodus 4 verse 6 continues. And it says this, then the Lord said, I'm sorry, Exodus 4.1, Exodus 4.1, it says, Moses protested against God. And he says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? <laughs> Are you crazy? The Lord appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? And he responded, a shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Friends, I just want to stop right here. I love the fact that God doesn't ask Moses for something that he doesn't possess. He says, what is in your hands right now? God doesn't need you to have more to respond to the call of God on your life. God just wants you to say yes, and he'll figure out the details. And he says this in verse 3. We can applaud for that because that's good news for everybody that has lack or doubts or worry. Verse 3, he says, throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw the staff on the ground and it turned into a snake. If this story wasn't weird, it just got weirder. And it says, Moses jumped back. 
Rightfully so. His stick just turned into a snake. And then it says this in verse four. Then the Lord told him, reach back out and grab its tail. Uh Uh-uh. I'm good. I don't need, I could find another shepherd's staff. I'm good. But notice that the Bible didn't say Moses walked away, caught his breath, got his mind right, built up the courage. It just says that Moses reached out and he grabbed it. It says, and then it turned back into the shepherd's staff in his hand. Now, if I'm God, And I want Moses to get some courage to go and do the thing I'm calling him to do. I'm not going to do the whole shepherd staff, snake shepherd staff. It's cool. It's a great party trick. But that's not necessarily going to build up the courage that I'm looking for. If I were God, I'd say, Moses, if you go, I'll send thousands of giant angels with you, a whole army of them. Because then you can stroll into the city with some swagger. That's what I would do. Or I would tell him, Moses, if you go, I'll give you a lightsaber or some laser gun or something so that you're equipped well. But God's like, nah, I'm going to go with the shepherd staff, snake shepherd staff thing. (laughs) Notice that God didn't equip Moses more. He just showed him a sign. And notice that God didn't do something that built up his courage. He did something that scared the life out of Moses. See, a lot of the times when God invites us into something new, we go, this is going to come with fluffy bunnies with it, and I'm going to have assurance, and I'm going to have an army with me, and people are going to get my back, and and money is going to rain from heaven. This is going to be amazing. And God goes, shepherd staff, snake shepherd staff (laughs) but friends I wonder what is in your possession right now that God's going I want to use what you have to demonstrate my power what you have is enough what you have makes you perfectly qualified to say yes let me handle all of the details because when God initially invites Moses into this opportunity it didn't come with a bag of tricks He just said, I want you to go back to Pharaoh and I want you to be my mouthpiece. That's it. He didn't need Moses to be persuasive. He didn't need Moses to have armies. He just needed Moses to go. And I wonder what situation in your life is God just saying, can you just go and leave everything else up to me? What you have is enough. What you have It's enough. But Moses is like us. And I'm grateful that God is gracious because in verse 6, God continues on to show Moses incredible signs. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, okay, Moses, I'll show you something else. This one's going to be amazing. And he says, put your hand inside of your cloak. So he's like, okay, this is weird. Burning bush, hand and cloak, done. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And then when he took it out again, it says that his hand was as white as snow with a severe skin disease. Uh, If I'm Moses, I'm going, that didn't go how I thought it was going to go. Skin disease, huh? Sweet. 
verse 7, it says, now put your hand back into your cloak. And the Lord said, um, so Moses put his hand back in. And when he took it out again, his hand was as healthy as the rest of his body. God, once again, it's a, it's a really cool party favor and all. Just the whole like leprosy hand, leprosy hand. Like it's amazing. But you're not getting the point. I'm the wrong guy. If you need somebody to go and be a magician and do cool tricks, find somebody else. What's interesting is Moses knew his weakness. And he's about to have real talk with God. He's about to put his cards on the table and go, God, here, here's the real problem. Here's the real issue. And in Exodus 4 verse 10, he, they have some real talk. They define the relationship, a little DTR, and it says, Moses pleaded with the Lord. Strong language. He pleaded with God, oh Lord, I'm not very good with my words. I, I never have been and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, even though you're strong, even though you're powerful, nothing has changed with me. I'm just me still. Have you ever felt that? God, I know that you're strong, but I'm me, and that's not cool to be me. This is the conversation that Moses is having with God. He says, I get tongue-tied. And my words get tangled, and you want me to go and talk to the, to the king? God, you just, you just did the whole leprosy healed thing, but you didn't heal my tongue. God, you did a miracle, and it was amazing. This whole shepherd staff, snake shepherd staff thing is amazing, but I'm still me. You didn't make me cooler. You didn't make me better. You didn't give me a superpower. You didn't change what I feel like is broken about me. You didn't restore what I felt like was robbed from me. I'm just me. Friends, can I tell you this weekend, if you're going to respond to the purposes and the things of God, it's okay to just be you. He doesn't need anything more. He's God. I feel like so many of us, when, when God gives us an opportunity to respond to him, we go, God, this sounds amazing, but I just don't have what it takes. Me? I stutter. And you want me to communicate. Friends, Moses almost cut himself off from the purposes of God because he stuttered. We look at that and it feels like such a small thing, but I wonder what situation inside of your life feels like a large thing. It feels like something you'll never be able to overcome, never be able to get past, never be able to get over. And if you would just see your life in the grand scheme of the light of eternity, would you be willing to sacrifice the plans and the purposes of God because of that situation? That one thing that you lack 
The story goes on and Moses gets the courage and he stands before Pharaoh and eventually he leads millions of people that were slaves into freedom. He changes the course of a nation. He changes history. The Bible will call Moses a great man, not of words, but of faith. Because he was willing to say, God, I am incapable, but the problems that are in front of me that are conflicting, that are challenging what I believe about you, God, I believe you're greater than my problems. And so I'm just gonna step. And then he takes a step and then he takes a bigger step and he realizes God is really behind him. And then Moses gets some momentum. And that same shepherd staff that Moses used to turn into a snake and back to a shepherd staff again, he stands at the face of an entire nation pursuing them to murder them and kill them. And he sticks that staff in the Red Sea and it parts and the entire nation walks through the thing that he had, the little shepherd staff that he had, God used to deliver a nation. What you have is enough. The story goes on and God feeds the nation with food from heaven, sci-fi stuff. He, he gives them water from a rock. He leads them day by day with a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. God leads them through Moses's leadership into the promised land. Friends, Moses almost gave up on God's plan for him because he couldn't talk good. I wonder what is keeping you from saying yes to the things of God. This weekend, my prayer is that some people, maybe for the first time, would say, God, you are more than enough. The thing that you're calling me into, you're going to supply everything that I lack. You're going to be what I need. You're going to be what I long for. You're going to be everything that I can't bring to the table. I believe in faith that you're enough. At every location, would you stand to your feet? We as a church, we're in a time where we're trying to get back to the basics. We're trying to read God's word. We're trying to pray. We're trying to worship God. We're trying to spend time with God's people. Have you ever realized how difficult it is to do those things? Some of you are like, Moses led an entire nation out of exile. I can't even wake up to read my Bible. Anybody else there? Here's why I wanted to preach this this weekend. For people that do not live in faith, they do not place themselves in a position where they're at a deficit. You don't need to pray because you can do life on your own. For people that live lives of faith, you don't need to read God's word because why do you care what he says? You're living life on your own. For people that don't live lives of faith, what do you have to worship? Because you never see God do great things on your behalf. For people that don't live lives of faith, you don't need a community around you to push you into the greater things of God because you can do it all on your own. Friends, you want to be motivated to spend time in God's word and in his presence in prayer. You want to worship him like you've never worshiped him before. You want people around you at all costs. Step out in faith. Say yes to what he has for you because you're going to realize this whole thing isn't just a chore. This is a necessity. I can't do what he's calling me to do without it. 
With every head bowed and every eye closed, God, I just pray right now for people in this room who feel like their calling is dormant. They're in luck because, God, you're the God that breathes new life into dead things. God, I proclaim over dead marriages, over broken relationships. I proclaim over addictions, over bondage. God, I pray over patterns of sin and wickedness. God, I pray over joblessness. God, I pray for people that feel blocked and stifled. I feel like I pray for people that are in relational turmoil. God, I pray for people that are in financial bondage right now. Would you breathe new life upon them that what they have is enough because they have you with them. God, I pray would faith arise in this place, would hope arise in this place. God, it is not about how great we are because it's all about how good you are. And so God, I pray this weekend, would you encourage hearts to run again? Would you encourage hearts to dream again? Would you encourage hearts to lift their eyes from their situation and to begin to believe that the days in front of them are far greater than the days that were behind them, that there is new life, there is new expectation and God that the giftings and callings of God upon their life cannot be removed they cannot be nullified and they will never go away because you are the same God yesterday today and forever and so God I pray right now would you resurrect dry bones resurrect dead dreams resurrect dusty dormant hope in this place because God you're going to be exalted in our lives and you will meet us in our deficit we pray all of these things in the magnificent powerful name of Jesus and everybody at Red Rocks Church said Red Rocks let's let faith arise and let us worship <laughs>